0: And welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage, where I hear more about the history of St John's Cathedral and what happened to it and the congregation during the Second World War here, from Stuart Wolfendale, who has written a book on the Church's history. What does make me sad is when I'm looking through some of the photographs uh, in the middle of your book, there's uh, one of an event in 1941 and and there's a number of the congregation stood outside in their Sunday best and the vicar is there and because it's 1941 I look at that photo and think how many of those would then end up in Stanley internment camp after the Japanese invasion
1: that's very interesting, because I know that picture. It's in the book, and that's exactly my feeling when I first saw it, and that's one of the reasons I, I put it in. It was, it was Dean Wilson, uh, uh, it was his consecration as Bishop of Singapore. He went on from here to be Bishop of Singapore in 1941, and he got interned in Singapore and tortured. He was quite a famous character. But all those picture, people in those pictures, uh, the ladies in, the, in, the, in their skirts and their white shoes and their the hats, and the, they would have all gone into Stanley. All of them would have gone into Stanley, because I think that. That was, after, that was after the evacuation to Australia of women and children. There was a big evacuation programme in late 1940 and and so those people who were left were doubtless, as you say, have been interned. All the expatriate congregation here uh, was, apart from those who might have been neutrals by nationality, was interned, yes.
0: What is nice to see with those photographs is that you have a, a photo of the dean who was here in 1941, is interned in Stanley Camp, where they continued services and the church yes. um, and then he's back um, yes. in, in, so he, he remains into the 50s Yes he did, Alaric Rose
1: Alaric Rose, in fact when he went into the camp he was acting dean they hadn't got round to appointing a new dean they were, they were thinking of getting somebody else and he was acting dean and by the time he came out of the camp the bishop, R.O. Hall uh, said, this man has done so much during the actual war itself, during internment, that I'm making him Dean. I'm just doing that. This is before anybody could meet, any councils could sit. There was nothing left. To, you know, There was just him. He said, I'm making him Dean. Mind you, he had to go away for about six months to recuperate. Most of them did. Most of them who came out of Stanley, uh, whether they were clergy or civilian, uh, lay people, they had to actually go away for a-, a rest, go back to England and then come back, because it was, it was such an uh, eviscerating uh, experience to have been kept in Stanley like that. But uh, I have to say that it is one of the most seminal moments in the cathedral's history. It didn't change everything, the war, but it changed a lot. It changed a lot of attitudes. And many people say that when they came back to the cathedral in the few years after, particularly immediately after the war, there was a freshness and an openness and a lightness almost uh, in the cathedral, symbolised by the fact that there were no more stained glass windows. All the windows were plain glass. The light came streaming in and they felt that, they, that, that this was a new era, that they'd, they'd seen something in this experience of war.
0: So the stained glass windows?
1: They were destroyed. Um, they existed up till about 1944... And then the Japanese took the cathedral over as a a, a Japanese social and cultural club. And so three neutrals, uh, neutral expatriates, were given uh, a couple of days take everything, everything Christian, all the Christology, out of the church and put it wherever they liked, but get rid of it. So they literally almost ripped the windows out. And in so doing, these things are very fragile, stained-glass windows, as you know. They're actually small pieces all put together. So much was ruined in that hasty attempt to save them that when the war was over, they couldn't be put back in.
0: I'm talking with Stuart Wolfendale about his book Imperial to International, a history of St John's Cathedral, Hong Kong. Now, in your book, you do have some records of how people as the japanese army came through kowloon and then on um so december the 8th and then they're moving gradually down to hong kong island and how even on the morning of december the 25th so christmas day 1941 there are some members of the congregation scrambling to save what they can from the church on the peak and also here yes
1: yes that's right there was an american Uh, an american episcopalian priest and his wife who went up to the peak to 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 do communion as usual there's a peak church up there a a sort of ancillary church and uh nobody came (laughs) not that morning but anyway they said that they said the office and they brought the um they, they hid the silverware and brought some of the silverware down also here um silverware was also taken away and and hidden uh, as best as possible, uh, or walked across to this uh, French Catholic mission over here, where it was safer, which is now the Supreme Court, the Court of Final Appeal building, where it was kept safer. But we have to thank the Catholics, actually. The Roman Catholics, um, they saved a lot of our stuff, actually. They, they, they kept a lot of furniture. They secured a lot of the silverware, particularly the, from the peak. They also went back up to the peak and found some more. Um, there was a Bishop Voltara... Who was the Catholic bishop here? He was an Italian, therefore an Axis uh, national, therefore not interned, and uh, and he was allowed to to to, uh, to do this. And we, we were we were very grateful to the Catholics for that.
0: Yes, you've got a very moving story within your book about a, a chalice of a, of a twelve-year-old girl who had died and a chalice that had been. Uh, donated to the cathedral
1: yes it was a lieutenant colonel christianson uh, uh, who was on the council of the cathedral in 1929 and his daughter died and he gave a silver chalice a silver communion chalice in memory of her and uh, after the war he, he was way back in england by then and he wrote to the dean Allery Rose. he asked if it was still safe and indeed it was. It had been saved uh, by the dean's wife and um, the choir mistress, Betty Piceno. They had walked some of this stuff across from the cathedral to the French Mission Building, which is now the Court of Appeal building over there, uh, where it was safer for the time being. And that, so that, that, that would save the, uh, the altarware. And uh, Christensen wrote back saying he was deeply relieved it had brought great happiness to him and his family to know that it had survived the war. Um, little Dulce's chalice was still there.
0: Now, when the Archbishop asked you to write this book, um, are there sort of masses of church records that you were able to go through, or minutes of meetings?
1: Oh yes, there were masses of minutes of meetings. <laughs> and if you've ever been on a committee, you know that minutes actually are valuable for what they hide rather than what they say. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yes, there were there was. Most of the um, most of the solid um, bedrock of information was from the cathedral records, minutes, and uh, certain other documents, which are kept in the Public Records Office up to 1962-3. We keep them with the PRO, and uh, so I had many happy trips to Kuntong, mm-hmm. where the government thoughtfully relocated the PRO. You <laughs> see, many distressed academics standing on Kuntong MTR station, wondering where it is. <laughs> Uh, so that was, that, was, uh, that was helpful. Then Hong Kong University Library for all sorts of things like uh, newspaper records and um, occasionally other libraries and books and, and secondary sources uh, uh, like other people's writings about Hong Kong. The problem was that, uh, or is, that the, the records aren't complete. Um, there are gaps, big gaps. Gaps we know about and gaps we don't even know about. We don't know what was there that isn't there, you know what I mean? Because Particularly because of the war. A lot of records were destroyed during the war. And a lot of people think, oh, those those wicked Japanese, they burnt all the records. Well, no, actually, they didn't necessarily, the the Japanese didn't necessarily do it. It's just that in those terrible times which they created, the appalling situation that they created, where everything was reduced to nothing almost in Hong Kong, paper became an extremely valuable source of cooking materials, of of fuel for for, for cooking by the ordinary population. They hadn't got anything else. So they got, they, they looted somewhere. In those difficult times around 45, they broke into somewhere, they'd take the paper and burn it. And this is one of the reasons why
0: records went. Yeah. Now, where we're sitting, actually, on these... Uh, are they hexagonal? Octagonal? Oh, you you count. <laughs> <laughs> Octagonal benches around those yes. trees that you can't yes. name. Um, <laughs> there's actually a memorial here, and it's the... Um, and uh, it's to, uh, the only soldier that's buried within these grounds. Is that right?
1: Yes, the only person who's buried within the grounds, is not really nobody's supposed to be buried in the church grounds. It's, it's part of the original uh, lease and law. Yes, it, um, it, it, Private Maxwell. He uh, was a soldier in the Hong Kong Volunteers Regiment in, uh, in that 25th of December you, you speak of. And uh, he was uh, fighting the last fight with his, with his, uh, his colleagues, only 21 years old, uh, in Wan Chai. That's how close it was getting, you see. It was uh, down Queens Road East almost. And he was shot, a uh, sniper and killed. And his colleagues knew he desperately wanted to be buried in consecrated ground. He was a devout Roman Catholic student of La Salle College, not an Anglican at all. And they brought him here, because they knew this was consecrated ground, under that tree there. And there was already a foxhole under there for for, for defence purposes, which was empty. So they put him into the foxhole and started to make a grave. And out of the Catholic French mission building just over there happened to be popping a Jesuit priest running out, an Irish Jesuit... And so the Jesuit, Irish Jesuit, was brought over and said the last words over this boy's body, and, the, and and it was filled in. And there he still remains to this day. We asked the family years and years ago if they wanted the body taken to a, a war grave, uh, war site, and they said, no, no, keep it, keep it there. And so it's been, it's remained ever since. And it's it's uh, now got a proper war grave, grave on it to go, surround and cover. And that was uh, that was um, actually. Uh, uh, blessed and at a ceremony uh, attended by the british consul general and at maxwell's sister Robert maxwell's sister who's still alive lives in england that was two years ago
0: now are you a member of the choir
1: gracious me no and the choir is deeply grateful no i'm not
0: <laughs> there's the a very high standard in the choir it would be reduced immediately <laughs> immediately if i joined now in victorian times you'd have just had english only services uh these days it's very multicultural
1: Yes, we have services in uh, three, if not four, languages now. Um, Apart from English, there's a Mandarin, the Pouchong Wa service, 10.30 on Sunday mornings. which is actually increasingly well attended because pe- more and more people are coming from the mainland and more mainlanders actually attend. Um, and we have a Filipino service every Sunday because we, a very significant percentage of our population, congregation, sorry, is from the Philippines. Uh, so we, we have... A, they come, but they come to all services. Uh, The Filipinas, mostly Filipinas, uh, mostly uh, um, domestic workers, they come to the 8 o'clock English, the 9 o'clock English, and the 2 o'clock Philippines. It's it's fairly... And we also have a Cantonese service on Saturday evenings uh, uh, as well.
0: You have been commenting on how post-war, not only due to the lack of stained glass windows, but there was more light in the church, there was also more openness to You, in, in terms of the reaction of the congregation in 1945. That they felt that it was freer somehow? Uh, yes, I,
1: I, I think so. Um, I think that the war generally changed the social complexion of Hong Kong it, 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 it pushed a, a breath of fresh air through the system and through society um, less colonial after the war and I think that was felt in the church as well uh, I think more Chinese people started to come here uh, more English-speaking Chinese, started to come to St. John's after the war. The whole place was building up again from scratch. Uh, you remember how the Japanese actually, people left Hong Kong in, by the thousands and thousands The Japanese deported people to the mainland. The place couldn't support people. They'd let the infrastructure go down so badly that everything was a fresh start and that included here. And, and things were a bit sparse, but uh, I think this colonial attitude that had existed before the war was shaken up. And it applied to this church as well. More Chinese were coming here.
0: What I found fascinating reading about the history of St John's Cathedral and the, Ang- uh, the Anglican Church generally here, in terms of women priests, uh, we were ahead of, of England as far as I understand it.
1: Yes, um, we were way ahead. Um It all began with uh, Lady Li Ti-Moi, who was uh, a deacon, a a uh, Chinese-Anglican deacon, uh, who was deaconed in this cathedral in the 1930s. And in the Second World War, uh, she was serving in Macau, and R.O. Hall took this extraordinary decision to ordain her, because they needed somebody in Macau to administer the sacraments, and only a priest can do that. And there was nobody else in Macau in the war at the anglican level who could do that the anglican communion i don't know hong kong was just so be it the english church or the chinese church it doesn't matter we're so used to the idea of of women of a women priests from that point on that we actually here they ordained
0: priests, uh, women priests earlier than anywhere else. Yes, they did. My thanks to Stuart Wolfendale, the author of From Imperial to International, the history of St. John's Cathedral, Hong Kong. St. John's is a quiet idyll in the middle of Central. For the past few months, there's been a new cafe called The Nest There, where you can buy a coffee and food and sit in the garden. The cafe has been set up by the Nesbit Centre and is staffed by young adults with special needs. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage.